How about this fucking team right here? Dustin Brown, short-handed for LA. Score! Here is Goligoski. He gets leveled at the blue line by Dowdy. Speed for it, for uh, kind of like it. On the right wing side, here is Defoli. Shoots, he scores! Battling through it, finally. No sense bitching, right? This is for you, Kings fans, wherever you may be. Okay, so first, as we get into this, I should just say we actually recorded a podcast last week, but right when we were cleaning it up, about to post it, suddenly, huge trade news. The Kings make moves that, when I first heard them, made me go, but why? (laughs) Why is this happening? I thought everyone was lying to me and that someone had, like, glommed on to some, like, fake Twitter account. I'm like, that's not true. Totally true, because it made... Well, it made no sense at the time. I mean, it still doesn't make the biggest amount of sense, but it wasn't like, oh, yeah, that's perfect. That's exactly what the Kings need. Um, It was just question marks floating everywhere for this one. Right. I think that was a strange thing. So, And then the whole day actually turned out to have a number (laughs) of big moves, but the Kings kicked it off by acquiring Luke Shen and Vincent LeCavalier from the Philadelphia Flyers in exchange for a third-round pick and Jordan Wheel. Goodbye, small Jordan. The, the Kings are always going to find a chance to f- ship out all the small people uh, out of L.A., which is sad for me because I love small, like, feisty hockey players. Um, and the Kings will never let them have a chance. Yeah, I I mean, and it's one of those things where I know that about the team. I know what they look for. They like size. They sort of like speed but it's clearly not a huge priority um because they think something like skating can be improved so they like but you know you can't make a short guy suddenly six four so they like big guys um and guys who they think will get knocked around and i was kind of bummed that when the trade happened straight up it was like oh daryl sutter just thought he couldn't compete against the biggest like centerman in the league and it's like but he might be pretty good you don't know you played him for 10 games come on doc (laughs) barely giving him a chance but i guess you know if he wasn't if you're small in la i guess you immediately have to show like do something big and be like immediately effective otherwise it's not going to be good for you your time is your time is short Quite, li- quite literally, and, your like, time is short. Right? <laughs> I understand, like, nobody expected him to be, like, one day a top-line winger for the Kings or anything. But, I mean, I'm always, like, I'd rather youth in the lineup than some old dude. And so that's when, like, when the trade first happened, I was like, but LaCavalier is, like, in his mid-30s. He's been injured. He hasn't had a great run of it the last couple of seasons. And then um, the Luke Shen thing confused me. But that was one, I think, especially when we looked closer at it it was like oh there's potential here because he's actually only 26 and um has mostly been on bad teams i think like toronto and then the flyers so uh well i mean i think he has potential especially he's only gonna get like bottom pairing minutes and that's really the role that he needs to fill um he can turn his his self around but the like immediate reaction when this happened was that this made no sense and the kings like lost the trade Um, Right. But by the way, I think it's funny how it all unfolds. And this is how all trades unfold. It's like, oh, people will put out the news like a trade is coming between these two teams. And then it's like five minutes of speculation on Twitter where like thousands of tweets will flow about like what it could be. 
And then it came out that it was like those two teams that got traded or those two players that got traded and no one knew what for. And so there was rampant speculation again. And then once they found out what it was, they we still didn't know about uh, Philadelphia retaining 50% of each player's salary. And everyone's like, oh, God, this is garbage for like another two minutes. And then that came out. It's just so funny how everything trickles out little by little and everyone's like emotions and opinions just you know, wildly go from one end to another uh, just because we're like slowly like picking up scraps of facts as they come like come out on uh, on Twitter. It was kind of like, I mean, I was freaking I was like eating and being like, what's happening next? (laughs) It was kind of it was a lot. I see for me, I was like, I don't get I was mostly confused. Like I wasn't even like this is necessarily bad um, because I know both of them are also it's a rental situation, right? Like they don't have term on their contracts. Le does technically, but he said that he's going to retire. And I think that came out pretty quickly. So it wasn't too terrible. And then, yeah, the retaining 50% of salary on both players um, means that the Kings cap friendly broke it down. They said Le Cavalier had a 2.298 million um, cap hit remaining this season. And Shen had 1.838 with um, the 50% retention. LA only needed slightly over two million dollars in cap space to take both of them so it's happened it fits they don't have to worry about it maybe they'll try to re-sign Shen and LaCavalier is going to retire and Lombardi was like that was a really key part of it for us that this really just is like his last shot at the cup and so for me I was like all right that all sounds fine but I just don't understand why and then kind of the other shoe to drop was that Matt Green is definitely out for the season um, so, so that was another element. It was like, all right, that's where Shen fits in. Um, Derek Forbert got sent back down, which I think really, to pause for a second, the the loser in all of this, so to speak, is probably Derek Forbert because they're like, dude, sorry, we just like he's been in the system since 2010, and they're like, sorry, guy, we're still not feeling it. I don't know, bye. And he got a taste too. It's not like he was lingering down there forever, and it was like, I guess I'm a career AHLer now. He got you know, a couple games in there. And then it was just like ripped away from him, essentially. (laughs) Like, ah, you're not good enough. We're going to bring someone else in. Uh, We're going to have a trade that confuses a lot of people. And uh, yeah, none for you. Right, yeah. And so, I don't know, maybe if Shen doesn't stay around, Forbert would have another shot. But like in the meantime, it's like, damn, I'm sorry, bud. (laughs) (laughs) See you later, I guess. I know it's been like five years, but okay. (laughs) Um, poor guy. One day, one day, his time will come. Maybe <laughs> we'll see. Hopefully, <laughs> I mean, whether it's with this team or another team. Yeah, I'm like, I was gonna say maybe not shot. with the Kings, but hopefully, you know, we'll probably trade him for something else. <laughs> right? Yeah. So now that they've played a couple of games, though, what are your impressions of Luke Shen and LeCavalier? I mean, they're fine. Luke Shen, I it always takes me a while to really have any opinions on defensemen especially if he's like a stay-at-home defenseman type person. Like, he's been solid. He hasn't done anything drastically stupid. The Cavalier, he looks slow, you know, and you can kind of tell. But he got a point, and he's still making plays, and he's won a ton of face-offs. So he's proving himself. Um, I think the slower game that the West plays, you know, probably helps him. Um, doesn't show his weaknesses as as much. Um, But, I mean, it's still, they're still kind of like adjusting to everything so i mean it's not it's not all bad by all means it's it's actually looking like it may have um a bit of an upside yeah i think with the cavalier 
maybe what he lacks in physicality because of age and because he's not the fastest skater, um, he sort of makes up for in that he's he was a really talented, really smart player. And so to have just that strategy maybe on in the bottom six a little bit more and at least the potential for more, more goal scoring from a guy who has done it before and could possibly do it again now that he is facing, you know, not the top competition night in and night out. It's like third line guys and fourth line guys. It could be beneficial to the Kings, right? Um, I think also they went with a lineup against Detroit that didn't have Andy Andrioff in it. And so I think the combination of Nick Shore and LeCavalier is kind of intriguing, actually. Um, so there's some potential there. With Luke Shen, he's he's been okay so far. Like I said, I haven't noticed him a whole lot. One thing I will say about Luke Shen, though, is that in the first game that him and LeCavalier played in, they played in against the Leafs, and it was 2-1 late in the game, and he had a really great block to prevent the Leafs from scoring and tying it up. So I liked the effort and, like, the immediate effort because, again, it was their first game with the Kings and they had just arrived pretty much. Um, So I think if he keeps that hustle going and, like I said, he hasn't been noticeable in a bad way, like you said also. So as long as that keeps up, I'm fine. Also, something that Elliot Friedman said in his 30 thoughts today was that here, let me just name a couple of the other options the Kings were apparently looking at when they were trying to figure out who they wanted to trade for. Um... Josh Georges in Buffalo, and Willie Mitchell, who is with the Panthers now. And then for forward, they were looking at Scott Gomez for some reason. Here's the thing about all those guys. They're also in their 30s and old. So at least in terms of defensemen, like, at least Luke Shen is in his mid-20s. I'm, I'm okay with it. They, the Kings love an old guy. Um, yeah. They really do. I don't remember who said it, but someone was like, well, you know, Dustin Brown has to have an old guy who really needs a cup to hand it to at the end of the season. And I'm like, okay, if the Kings win a cup, then that's awesome. He does need, right. a, he does need an old guy from a different team who's like, this is his chance to win the cup uh, to get it second in line. So, you know, by all means, if that's, if that's how it's going to be, that's how it's going to be. Um, but, yeah, it's kind of crazy. Obviously, Willie Mitchell – the, the Panthers were going through, like, a ridiculous win streak. They weren't going to trade him. He's been a pretty good, you know, influence on them, I think. Thank and, God. Yeah, <laughs> seriously. Because I was, like, really worried for Willie Mitchell going to Florida and not being happy there. But he seems to be doing great, um, eating a lot of delicious foods, fishing a lot, you know. So he is happy as a clam. Um, yeah, I'm – I'm I'm glad that Willie Mitchell's happy there, but I'm also like the Kings don't need him back. Like when they let him go, I was sad, but it was like, look, he's he is getting older. He did have that knee injury that kept him out for a season. He's not going to be the Willie Mitchell of yesteryear. Uh, um, they don't need that back. Like he's he was really great. I really appreciated him, but they don't need him back, especially for the price he ended up you know costing and whatnot. Glad that they were on that win streak so they didn't bring back Willie Mitchell. Yeah. Love you, Willie. Stay in Florida. Yeah, exactly. Um, I love him as a person. Um, half of these times when I'm like, oh, like, it's just because I like them as people. Yeah, and less great as, dude. Please don't bring down our hockey team. Like, you, you're you fine over in Florida. You do you. You do you. You do your thing. But you don't need to stay here. Um, and then the rest of them, yeah, they're old and also small. So, which is bizarre. Yeah. <laughs> Josh Georges is not the biggest dude. I don't know what's going on there. <laughs> yeah, so glad that... the And also, like, I was looking at sort of 
the numbers and the impact, and Luke Shen was just the better choice. He was also a player who had really high expectations until he just ended up on teams that were really terrible and got criticized a lot. So, like we've mentioned, there's actually some potential there, too, and we'll see see what happens for him moving forward. Yeah. Right after that trade news, though, before, like, before anyone could take a breath and just take in the Kings had acquired two new players, news about who, someone who is technically not a King anymore, Mike Richards, back in the NHL. This is, that was probably, I for, immediately forgot about the Kings trade. I was like, I don't even care. Tell me literally everything you can about Mike Richards signing with the Washington Capitals and running back into Justin Williams' arms. Apparently, Justin Williams was the one who told him that he would be an idiot not to sign with the Capitals. So, that's pretty fun. And that's good that Justin Williams is, you know, vouching for him in that way. Like, I'm sure he would have and had all of the information that he needed to be like, hey, Caps, maybe this isn't a good idea. So, obviously, if Justin Williams is signing off on it, Mike Richards is in a much better place. Um, He's still training, and he looks better, but he still has yet to play a game with the Capitals. Yeah, they're not rushing him back, and he is come into that organization knowing that he'll probably start on like a fourth line role with the opportunity to move up. Um, Apparently the Capitals, and they're not the only team, have been looking at him and watching what has been going on with his case and whatnot since the summertime or like late summer, early fall. Um, So he has another shot and that's really all I wanted for Mike Richards. It just seemed like for him to be terminated for the Kings and then disappear for the rest of ever seemed like a really sad ending to his career. So I'm glad that he has an opportunity to play again. Also, the Caps, the best team in the league in terms of um, standings points and whatnot. So he walked into a really sweet situation, actually. Yeah, uh, he is not on some like terrible team and will be disappointed or, you know, disheartened um, if things don't, you know turn out well he's going to the capitals so he has a great opportunity to shine or be effective or you know but maybe not have too much pressure put on him like the capitals were doing fine without him maybe they could be doing a little bit better but i don't think he's gonna pull them down to like you know ruin what they've they've been doing so it's probably best case scenario there and i'm just glad to see Mike Richards, like, smiling and giving inter- interviews to the press. So that's that's just nice. He told Gary Lawless from TSN, he had um, a few interesting quotes about coming back, but the one that stuck out to me was he said that he had started to take for granted being a hockey player, basically, and being able to come to the rink and do that professionally. And it was it's, like, super vague. It gives you no details about what happened on his end. It obviously doesn't directly touch on his legal situation but it did make me think man i i really hope that at some point mike richards talks about or somebody talks about what happened in the last year and change uh, last couple years maybe that ended up with him being terminated and all of the the drama that sort of followed because it sounds really interesting and like there's a lot going on there and I want to know and we still have no details. Yeah, I really want to know too. I mean, he also still has um, legal things uh, pending so that probably doesn't help and doesn't want to say anything and it's probably very new um, everything that's going on, so it's better to... This is the one time where it's like, yeah, you know, maybe just focus on hockey. Like, that. that's fine. Like, do that for a while. But I, you're right, I do hope that it eventually comes out 
sooner rather than later but everything yeah. that is uh, has gone on yeah just because i'm nosy like i'm gonna be super oh. honest i don't <laughs> i just want to know 100 <laughs> percent. and the thing is i wouldn't be as nosy but this entire time this has been just like reeking with mystery like there's never been any like here's some solid facts that's all we're gonna say right now it's just been like veiled behind all of these like you couldn't get a straight answer out of anyone and because of that i want to know everything it's been a lot of people being like man when this comes out it's gonna be so interesting and it still hasn't come out (laughs) i want to know what the story is it's like the worst (laughs) clickbaity thing (laughs) clickbait title and then a paywall what's up baby it'll come out in the meantime you know best of luck to mike richards and no hard feelings in terms of like watching him do awesome things and have fun with the capitals because the kings still succeeding so i can cheer for the capitals and be like yeah tear up the eastern conference and still be like the kings are doing really well though so maybe they'll meet in like the stanley cup final and um then the kings will win i'm i'm just saying um i think that would be way too much for me if they were (laughs) i could not stand to root against justin williams i don't know i just i mean of course i could when push comes to shove i will 100 percent root against him but it's a lot for my heart to take, especially if my Richards yeah. is there too. It would be horrible for me emotionally, but if slash when the Kings won, I would find a way to be okay. <laughs> Somehow we would battle through it. The pain, yeah. Our personal pain while wiping our like tears with like playoff towels or whatever it is that we get on our seats. We'll be I all would right. feel pretty bad a little bit as, you know, Mike Richards and Justin Williams watched Kopitar pass the cup to, like, Jeff Carter. But I would also feel super good about it. (laughs) You know, just warring emotions and feelings. Once again, everyone welcome to us fantasizing about ridiculous scenarios that may or may not happen. (laughs) Speaking of Kopitar and the Kings doing really well, he had another four-point game against the Detroit Red Wings because he just can't stop being amazing. He is like, I mean, in general, I have a great time watching Andre Kobitar, whether he's scoring or not. He's usually doing something every game that makes me excited. But lately, the last like two weeks, two or three weeks, he has been phenomenal. Starting actually with Toffoli's goal in that Detroit game, his like patience to wait and to get around the dude and then pass it to Napoleon for an easy tap in. We were at the St. Louis Blues game, so we saw his like slow down to wait for the goaltender to drop and then a backhand into the net. He has been amazing to watch. I'm so excited about Andre Kopitar. He has looked so good. Also during that game, it was just like a matter of time until he scored a goal because he had been angling for it and he had been so close. Um, but yes, literally everything he does has been golden. He's won a ton of faceoffs. Mm-hmm. Um, he's been very defensively sound. Um, made some amazing passes for other people to score goals. Uh, scored some beautiful goals himself, and has just been all around fantastic. He has now officially taken the scoring lead for the Kings. He has thirty-five points, twelve goals, twenty-three assists. About these points, I just want to note that he has 15 of them in the last nine games. That's how productive he has been. A dream, that Andre (laughs) Kopitar. 
like kind of cruising in through most of the season and is like, oh, I guess I should like start now because the Kings still have not signed me, so I might as well show them what they're, you know, negotiating for. Yeah, okay. Let's pause now and talk about that ridiculousness. It feels like everybody has been reporting that this deal is very close and it's going to be announced and it's super close any day now. They're going to announce it for like two months. When will we have an Andre Kopitar contract? I feel like I'm at the altar and I just want to get married to Andre Kopitar and they're like, five more minutes. Please. It feels like it's never going to come. Like, I th- maybe it was going to be this week. There, you know, it was a big break. Cool. And then articles come out where, you know, there's a few things that they don't agree on and they're at an impasse. I'm like, no, 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 no. I don't like that word because yeah. every time there's an article about Kobe not being signed, I want to rip my hair out. Just give him whatever he wants. A, he has probably the best agent in the NHL, Pat Brisson. So we know he negotiated that crazy deal for the two dudes in Chicago. He handles pretty much like, well, not all of them, but a number of the top players in this league. So you're not going to get the same sort of discounts, you know, cut arounds as you might get with some other players. He's not going to go for that. Just give him, just give Kopitar whatever he wants. I don't care if he's garbage in five years. Give him his money now. I don't understand how you can give Jonathan Quick a friggin' 10-year contract and Dustin Brown an eight-year contract worth however much ridiculous amount of money, but you're going to take all year for Kopitar? No, don't do this to me. <laughs> Sign him now. It is, quite frankly, just unacceptable. <sighs> I don't think... That, I mean, they can't be so dumb that they'll let their amazing number one center walk away. But even just having to play this game of wait and see is so frustrating to me on every <laughs> level. I, I Every day I wake up and I hope that we're going to see something that says... That Kopitar has been signed. Do I have to throw in $5 or something? Like, what's going on? I mean, we might as well. Who is going to win the Powerball? Can they pay for Andre Kopitar's contract? <laughs> yeah. Come on, just a chunk. <laughs> Barely anything. Maybe just pay for, like, the first year. Whatever. Right, right. <laughs> it's going to be good for an entire fan base's happy, like, extreme happiness. So you might as well. And it's for the good of hockey, as you know. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about that. So To detour for a second and then bring it back to Kopitar. So Alex Ovechkin scored... 500 goals. He passed 500. He's at 501 now, I believe. Interesting thing, from his draft year, the next player from that draft year who is closest to him is Evgeny Malkin. But he has 287. So that's the guy who's like within 300 goals. That's like insane. The second place guy, this is from Elliot Friedman's 30 Thoughts. He says, um, the second place guy from his draft year is 306 scores away. It's just obscene. And then he notes, by comparison, Eric Stahl leads Corey Perry by eight among 2003 selections, and Kopitar trails Sidney Crosby by 84 from the 2005 draft. So here is where I bring it back to Kopitar, and just to note, and I mean, like, there are some, like, caveats there, like, Sidney Crosby missed significant time, so probably that gap would be wider, but still... In the world that we live in, <laughs> it is not wider. And Andre Kopitar is within 100 goals of Sidney Crosby. And Andre Kopitar has been nominated for a Selkie multiple times and is really good. And why isn't he signed, really, <laughs> is still my point. He is amazing. That's a fair point. Understand. And it will continue to be a fair point until he is signed. I just had to note that. They're just like every possible way that you could think of the Kopitar is amazing. It's just, it's just true. Also, Ovechkin's 500th goal was really 
really cute. <laughs> um, just like the entire situation. Uh, Barry Trotz had gotten permission from Gary Bettman and the NHL to like clear the bench um, if he scored a, his 500th that game and like got to telling everyone but Ovi. So all the players, oh. all of like the officials, like everyone, like if Ovi scores his 500th goal, you get your butt out there. Um, and they did. And it was pretty friggin' cute. And like the standing ovation. And it was awesome. I loved it. That's great. I didn't know that they had gotten permission from, and I saw people like mention that that happened and I was like, that's weird. Yeah. <laughs> Is that a thing we're doing? Uh, but that's amazing that they got permission to do it. And it was nice because a lot of people were talking about it later where, like, if that happened in, like, the NFL or something like that, you know, everyone would have been fined a bajillion dollars, like, ten times over. Um, especially since this, is, this isn't, this is like, a, a league-wide milestone. This is a personal milestone, you know? Like, right, right. It, it shouldn't matter to the NHL, really, just because it's like, ah, oh, well, you know, you do you, whatever. It, like, if you surpass an NHL goal, like, maybe, but... Um, it's Ovechkin. He got to 500 pretty darn fast. Yeah, it was awesome. I was really excited yeah. about it. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. Maybe another league would have allowed it if they also asked for permission. Because I think if the Caps had not asked for permission, it would have been a serious too many men penalty. <laughs> um, <laughs> if they all just came off the bench. <laughs> I don't know. I'm trying to think of, like, if this has happened before. And, like, I, I would hope that the officials would kind of know what's going on and would, yeah, you know, sure. cut them a little bit of slack. Can you imagine if you, if like a ref did have like the audacity to be like, whoa, 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 how dare you? Like he's like, you know, swimming through the middle of all of like the hugs (laughs) trying to like bring someone into the penalty box. (laughs) Just genuinely missed what was so great. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. uh, I would hope they would look the other way also. Uh, But it's cool that they made sure to cover all their bases just in case. So that was super charming and I'm very happy for him. Yeah, me too. I really like Alex Ovechkin and I'm really excited that the Capitals are really good this season and look like legitimate contenders and I hope they do make it all the way to the Stanley Cup final. Yeah. Hopefully that happens and they play the Kings. Or, I mean, if they don't play the Kings, if for whatever reason the Kings don't make it to the final, at least I can then like genuinely root for the Washington Capitals because otherwise I'm going to have to cheer for the Kings to like they did Eirik Lundqvist keep Alex Ovechkin from his Stanley Cup I'm sorry oh so many sad faces that would happen afterwards although if the Capitals beat the Kings I'd be bummed but then at least there's still like a bright side I guess yeah but I would hate it (laughs) (laughs) I'm an asshole I would hate it (laughs) all right um where was I oh Kopitar not the only king who was doing super great things Tyler Toffoli has hit 20 goals on the season. Yay! Exciting times for him. I would like to note that this is Tyler Toffoli's second full season in the NHL because if we all remember, we all thought he should have started the 2013-14 season with the team, but he did not. He got called up in November, and then he got sent down again in like January or something like that. Um, so this is the second full season in the NHL, and... In both of those full seasons, he scored at least 20 goals. He has a really great chance chance of cracking 30 still this season. Um, now we're like, we can do the countdown, man, because <laughs> we're within 10. I'm pretty, I'm pretty excited about this. He's so good. He's so good. He's so good. Sets up other people nicely, but he also just scores beautiful goals. He's wonderful. Obviously, he's played with really good centers like Jeff Carter 
awesome. Andre Kopitar, unbelievable. But also, like, he has just proved that he will do whatever it takes to get to the net and get shots on goal and stuff. There was that game, and I mean, there have probably been others, but I just remember the one game I noticed where he had seven shots on goal and every single one was a scoring chance. He is, he's good, man, and he's has a nose for the net, as they say, and um, I am so excited to see him continue to succeed on this team and in this league. And uh, Jeff Carter, since we mentioned Jeff Carter, Jeff Carter is just also so damn good. We were watching the Blues game, and in a game where n- no one could keep a puck on their stick for the life of them, um, and seemed to love drop passes too much. Yeah, what? <laughs> ev- everyone was just like very weirdly sloppy, but Jeff Carter was just a vision. He was a dream. Yeah, he had been out for a little while, but came back, and he looks really good. He has scored one goal since coming back, I believe, but... Um, not for lack of trying. He had in the Blues game that moment where he tri- he basically created his own breakaway. Because technically when the puck flipped up and like came to where he was, he was right there with a couple of Blues players. And he did that thing he sometimes does where he's just like, hold up, I'm like 6'3", six, 6'4", six, so let me just stretch my long arm out. And also I'm super strong, so you're not going to get past me. I'm and tall, I'm going to create I'm my strong, own breakaway. I'm a better skater. Um, yeah. I'm just going to do my thing. Like, I recognize you for trying, but I'm just going <laughs> right. to do my thing now. A for effort. It's my <laughs> breakaway now. That's a beautiful Jeff Carter moment that we got to see. And it happened to be while they were coming towards the side of the ice that we were sitting on. So it, we had a perfect view of it, and it was amazing, and I love when he does stuff like that. We basically were just swooning. <laughs> what what happened there. I adore Jeff Carter. <laughs> He's so good. And it's always funny to think back to, like, how people – Similar to what happened happened later on with Marion Gabrick, where it was like, eh, he's been injured, I don't know how it's going to work out, and he is just, he just continues to flourish and prove that he is so great. <laughs> um, and excited to have him back in the lineup, even though I'm glad that the Kings did really well with him out of the lineup. Um, and he is once again back to being super good, even though they took Tyler Toffoli away from him, maybe one day they will be reunited. But I mean, everyone seems to be doing all right. Um... God, Tyler Toffoli, seeing him at 20 goals is just so pretty. Kopitar, Toffoli, and Carter are the points leaders. Kopitar with 35, Toffoli with 31, and Carter with 29. Pretty good so far. Um, I also think that the bottom six has looked better, and um, we've gotten some more depth scoring. Dwight King still came back to the lineup, continues to make an impact. As much as it frustrates me sometimes that the Kings are so dedicated to, like, the big body, like, forwards, I have to say that it has been exciting watching Dwight King get back into the game and to have another person who is just like, I'm huge (laughs) and I'm going to box you out and help my team create a play. Like, honestly, it's been refreshing to see not that they're I mean like most of the kings are pretty tall um but I I have noticed Dwight King in that way like that oh yeah and I think it also is a compliment to him and just in terms of I feel like his game has evolved um since he came into the league where he like recognizes exactly how that size can be an asset on this team yeah he uses his size very very well um and I love that he's wearing a cage right now yeah (laughs) i mean it is to protect him but it looks like it's to protect everyone else um but yeah he's he's very good at using his size to his advantage where for other people it might be a disadvantage or they don't use it well enough um also i'm just glad because that means less um andy andrioff true and that's just a, a personal 
you know, good thing for me. Yeah, I still don't really get the Andy Andreoff thing, but I'm trying. I'm trying so hard. Um, and he is still pretty damn new, so. Yeah, that, uh, but that's true. Fair enough. Also, I'm still, I was, I'm not going to lie, I was still excited when he wasn't in the lineup against oh, Detroit. absolutely. So. Very happy about it. <laughs> so, you know. <laughs> um, it seems like with everybody, with, among the forwards anyway, becoming healthy and whatnot, the Kings have um, an interesting dilemma every game where it's like, you could put in this guy and it's actually a pretty good option, or this guy, that's a pretty good option too, and move people around and see what works like Dustin Brown makes a lot of money and so it's weird to have him in the bottom six but at the same time it's sort of like what a life we live where it's where you can have that flexibility and move guys around like that and be like you know we just got a lot of good options yeah that's true they are not hurting for uh different line pairings and things like that to see what works and maybe someone's having a bad day or someone's having you know a little bit of a slump you can move things around and and it all seems to be working like there's not one like iteration of this where it's like oh that was terrible never do that again they all have their like pros and cons and you know some work better than others but uh for the most part it's all pretty pretty good yeah and i think that is a testament to the system you know we're all very familiar with it it's very simple and guys can if they're willing to fit into it they can Obviously, there have been some people who haven't worked out over the the years, the championship years, as we'll call it. Um, for the most part, guys are able to find a role for themselves if they really commit. And and it seems to work out. And everybody likes winning. So then it's like, sure, I'll, I'll do this. <laughs> I'll do what you want me to do. Away from the skaters, though, another super key component to the King's success lately. And I have to acknowledge it because sometimes it feels like a just – a struggle, I guess, to admit that you're a Jonathan Quick fan, but I am always really excited when he does really well, and he has been really great lately. He was not for the last week, but the week before, um, first star of the week, and he has been named to the Pacific team for the All-Star Games. He is currently on an eight-game point streak, Jonathan Quick. Yeah, there haven't been any complaints. Um, I know that he did uh, snap his stick very recently in that loss. Yeah. Um, but that's all right, because everything else has been pretty darn golden. I thought it was kind of weird that he, I mean, I get it, like, he is a very competitive person, you know, and he was frustrated because it was a shootout loss, so it's like, I mean, it's kind of on the goaltender, you, either you save it or you don't, but he played really well in that game, he kept the Kings in it, the Kings had plenty of chances that they should have buried in that game and, like, murdered the St. Louis Blues, but they did not for whatever reason. Strange, because he's been awesome. He is, like I said, on an eight-game point streak. And during that streak, he has a 950 save percentage, one shutout with 1.55 goals against average. On the season, Jonathan Quick has currently a 925 save percentage with 2.05 uh, goals against average and three shutouts. And I just would like to note that his best career season is um, that 2011-12 season, which he was nominated for a Vesna, and he finished with a 9-2-9 save percentage. So currently, he is having his second best career year, if he keeps this up. And obviously, there's still half the season to play, so who knows where he'll be after the regular season ends in April. But right now, he is 
out of his mind and it's not just like oh he's, he looks pretty good he's you know having some above average games like no dude is like killing it for um <laughs> himself <you> yeah <laughs> it's nice yeah it's it's definitely nothing to sneeze at either looks wise or stats wise um and i mean of course it's one game and when you think of one game you're like oh that sucks and i'm sure that's how he thought about it but in the grand scheme of things jonathan quick is doing wonders for the kings because i don't think that all of these forwards would be able to make this many plays without knowing that he's got their back in in net because they wouldn't be able to take the chances like whatever risks that they end up taking or you know plays that may not be best if you have a subpar goalie so you know it's all kind of clicking together yeah i think it inspires Confidence. I mean, and I don't know. It's hard to say whether or not that translates to the team. But as a fan, like as a, as a spectator, I watch the Kings and I feel both excited and confident looking at them. Whereas I feel like maybe last season we would look at the numbers and be like, "Look, they're still playing really well. They haven't. They obviously have a chance." But um, it was one of those things where you'd still watch them and be like, "I don't know, guys. I'm kind of bored. They're not really exciting. Blah blah blah, or whatever." Um, and I feel like for the majority of this season you can feel it like when you when people tweet about it and stuff like that when people talk about the team it's just it feels like something special is happening again right now and um that's intoxicating and really cool and i'm glad to be able to see it one of like the biggest things that i can say is that when i'm watching jonathan quick and he handles the puck outside of the net i don't feel as nervous like that's like my biggest compliment as of right now is that i don't feel concerned (laughs) when i see him with the puck um, and so that just is my level of confidence in him right now. Yeah. And I think you, you, I mean, you watch the team enough that you don't just want to go on the idea of like, this is what I feel, or this is what I see, um, when I watch the games. But it, I think you, as a fan, you do have that like vibe of like, do I trust this team right now? Or do I feel like they could blow it at any second? Yeah. And <laughs> For much of this season, I have had a lot of trust in the Kings when I watch them play. Yeah. I've always just been like, it's going to be all right. And if they lose one, it's like, oh, well, that's too bad, but they'll get it back. (laughs) Yeah. The other thing, too, about Jonathan Quick and watching him right now and how exciting he he is, is I feel like that debate about whether or not he's elite comes out of both the one really good season that he had and then also just that, like, when he's on during periods like this, he is... I think the most exciting goaltender to watch. Like people can debate all the time about whether his technique is the best because it's so aggressive and so it opens himself up to more mistakes or more potential mistakes if he overcommits to something. Fine. But when you watch him play like that and it's working, it does sort of feel like, God damn, this dude is a superhero. <laughs> Oh yeah, wow. it's it's something that you can cheer your heart out for. Like it, it it's excitement on the same level of someone getting, like, a breaker. Like, there was a time during that Blues game where the crowd, like, the entire arena was just, like, overcome with how much everyone adored Jonathan Quick because of how dynamic he was playing and all the saves that he was making and just being, like, solid and not letting anything through. And that's, like, amazing to watch. It's so exciting to watch as a fan. Yeah, and I think that's where that feeling of people being like, he's the best goaltender in the world. I think that's where it comes from, like, seeing him during those moments and me, like, it it looked so fun and so athletic. Um, and like, right now, I'm feeling a feeling, and it's, it's, it's good. It feels kind of like watching 2012 Jonathan Quick, and I'm all for that. Yeah. There is... 
there's nothing bad about um, Jonathan Quick, you know, uh, bringing back his old 2012 self. Like, that only means good things. And I'm hoping, I'm hoping that that means something good come the end of the season. Yeah, keep it up. That's what I hope. (laughs) If we could still be feeling like this about him in, you know, April, May, and June, please, that would be excellent. Um, So, like I mentioned, he is on the Pacific All-Star team. So I'm going to read you the entire Pacific All-Star team. It is Jonathan Quick, Drew Doughty, Johnny Gaudreau, Taylor Hall, Joe Pavelski, Corey Perry, John Scott, who is the captain, Daniel Sedin, Brent Burns, Mark Giordano, and John Gibson. I feel like this is quite a fun assortment of dudes. Particularly, I can't really imagine a situation where Jonathan Quick and Corey Perry have had to be nice to one another. (laughs) So that could be pretty interesting. Um, I want everyone to circle around Johnny Gaudreau. Because everyone else is pretty tall. And Johnny Gaudreau (laughs) is a little munchkin. (laughs) And that would bring me great joy. And also just Mike everyone. Taylor Hall says funny things sometimes. I want to hear what he says. Yeah. Drew Doughty, you know, uh, Brent Burns, John, John Scott. What is going to happen here? I'm very, I'm pretty excited about Captain this. John Scott. It's like hilarious too because then if you look, I don't have it in front of me, but if you look at like the central team or whatever, it seems like, like some of the teams are full of enough all-stars or whatever that it's like, That's a pretty good team. Wow. And, like, the Pacific Division has some really good guys, but it's also, like, this mix of personalities that seems kind of ridiculous. I feel like if anybody were to make, like, a sitcom out of the four teams, the the Pacific one would definitely be be the most hilarious. Oh, it would definitely be the funniest. Um, Everyone else, like, the Central Division is, like, pretty darn stacked, I think. Um, But... Ours is a little. Ours is funny. <laughs> ours is pretty silly. It's got a good mix of uh, dudes in there, and I'm I'm excited to see it. Um, I think we've covered a lot of stuff, but I did want to take a moment to just note that Robin Regeer, um, signed a one day honorary contract so that he could officially retire from the NHL as a Calgary Flame, and I thought when I saw this. You traitorous bitch. How (laughs) dare you? The kings gave you a fucking cup. But I guess that doesn't supersede the 11 uh, seasons that he played with the Calgary Flames, which, you know, I guess loyalty, whatever, fair enough. (laughs) Right. Um, Yeah, I'm not really mad at it, but I was like, oh, okay, I see how it is. (laughs) I see how it is. How dare you? Diane loves you so much. I still have a signed photo of him on my wall currently. These grandpas ain't loyal. I have to transfer my 44 love to another old guy. Um, yeah. And I'm just slowly easing my way into it. At least my emoji game doesn't have to change. True. That is true. We're already set up to just carry on in that way. Um, but actually, um, for real, it's, it's cool that... A, that Robin Regeer um, has had a successful career, won the Stanley Cup, could retire with the team that he wanted to, and that he's still beloved in Calgary. That's really cool. He's um, he's so beloved. Congratulations. He's pretty much beloved everywhere. Like, I've seen a lot of things where, like, Buffalo fans are like, oh, yeah, Big Greg, like, so happy for you. You know, King fa- Kings fans are happy for him. Calgary fans, obviously, ecstatic. Um, he's just a good guy, and... I am very happy that he's won a cup and is retiring with, you know, the team that kind of started it for him. So it's really cool. 
And I think that's pretty much all we got. Covered two weeks worth of stuff. I don't think we missed any big stories. Is there anything else that you wanted to mention before we get out of here? Um, I would like Jonathan Druin to get traded already so I can stop thinking about it. Not to the Ducks, though. Not to the Ducks. Yeah, I did see that today. <laughs> I was like, no, thank you. Um, <laughs> Please don't. But to anyone else. Uh, preferably not in the Western Conference, but whatever. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I, the the number of like instances or scenarios that have been floating around is monumental. Um, and I'm ready for. I just want to know now. You know, I'm just like ready to find out what's happening. Yeah, that one crazy trade day got me like so pumped for the trade deadline, and it's still a little bit away. So, oh yeah, did, like, did we oh, even mention wait. Seth Jones getting traded? No, okay, which we, we should. should. I cannot believe that the Nashville Predators traded Seth Jones. Are you kidding me? I cannot <sighs> believe that the Blue Jackets traded one of their centers, like the thing that they need. They're like, yeah, we don't want you anymore. There, I mean, I. There was some tension with Ryan Johansson, yeah. like he had that contract holdout, and now John Tortorella like was kind of hard on him and stuff like that. So I wasn't entirely surprised that the trade happened. I still think it's kind of stupid, but um, whatever. But I was like, really, Nashville, Seth Jones? You know, Shea Weber is not actually that great, right? Like he's like really good on the power play, not that great at five on five. Also, he's getting up there. They're like, Seth Jones was supposed to be your number one one day. What are you doing? Yeah, I, you do. They're just trading away their futures there. Um, yeah, so that trade happened on the same day, and now I'm just waiting for this Jonathan Drouin trade to happen so it can just be, like, done with. Not to, like, discount him or anything like that, but, like, it's been talked about for a long time now. Or what feels like a long time. A lot of articles. Um... Yeah, so I'm ready for that one to happen. Yeah, I definitely think of all of the people this season who have asked for trades, that is probably the most, or like the biggest headline. So it'll be interesting to see if they actually move him, because it doesn't seem like Tampa Bay is interested in doing that. So we'll see if they find a way to either repair that relationship or get the kind of return that they really want, which I assume is super big. (laughs) Yeah. Considering he was a top three prospect. Yeah, they're probably going to want quite a few dollars for him. And then we talked about it last week, but we'll just mention it again. If you haven't seen it, you should see the Playing for Pevs documentary thing, I guess, segment that the stars put out because it is extremely powerful. It is very insightful. You may weep a little bit if you are anything like us because we both cried (laughs) um i was not expecting those tears but they happen it's very it's very touching um and it's just very overall well done you find out a lot of things that happen that you might not have known um yeah it was just it was very it was very good i really like any time a team or whatever makes a really good documentary recounting something from different perspectives of the people who were there and I didn't even know that going into watching it but it's really really good both the players also talking about their processing that situation when Rich Peverly collapsed on the bench but also the broadcasters for the stars talking about their perspectives and what do you do when something like that is happening but you're still on live tv do you talk do you stay silent um so yeah really insightful and I I just thought it was really well well produced touching piece of media worth yeah, watching definitely scope that out if you haven't gotten a chance or put it on the back burner or something like that it's definitely worth watching yeah um and also just quick shout out to uh the king's black and white series which has continued and they just did an episode on jake muzzin and i love jake muzzin so um 
watch that if you haven't. I'm sure you have because you're a Kings fan if you're listening to this, right? Um, but still, it's super good. Watch it just for the slideshow of young Jake Muzzin photos that happens yeah. near the beginning because it's all <laughs> the faces of Jake Muzzin is something that everyone should behold and then I mean, holds dear to their heart. It's their fantastic. Now. They're fantastic. <sighs> He's great. I find him so entertaining and also so talented. So that was really fun. All right, guys. So you know where to find us. Twitter, THXBUD. Um, Facebook, THXBUD. If you want to email us, chirp at thanksbud.com. Um, and we will get back to you. We like talking about the Kings and whatnot. Let us know what you think of the trades, uh, whether or not you think the Kings are going to be in the Stanley Cup final. As we have mentioned plenty of times, mostly me so far this season. <laughs> I'm super confident. Um, otherwise, until then, be good to each other. Take care of yourselves. And we will talk to you a week from now. Bye, everybody. Bye, guys.